Today's podcast is brought to you by TheEngagedInvestor.ca, helping you find and present to joint venture partners. Get your free video training right now at EngagedInvestor.ca forward slash breakthrough. Hi, this is Dion Baig from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, episode 44. Hello and welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake and here with me again is the real Mr. Hamilton, Sandy McKay. We might get in trouble over that one. I don't know. Yeah, thanks though. Uh, yeah, I'm excited, excited to be here and uh, as always we've got an awesome guest lined up. Yeah, I'm really excited to have Jeff Woods back on the show. He was episode 10 and did a, a super inspirational podcast with us back then. And he's back for round two. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Rob. Uh, thanks for uh, having me back again. Uh, thanks to both of you, Rob and Sandy. It's a, a privilege and an honor to be back on your podcast. Thanks for being here again. So first thing we're going to do is talk about our free gift that we have for everybody, the seven freedom activators that you can trigger in your property starting right now. This is a free report that Sandy McKay has written for everybody for free. And it's about making the most of your rental properties, how to not uh, spin your wheels, how to take the most effective actions in pretty much every aspect throughout the process. And then just sit back and watch the dollars roll in. Yeah, it's a great free report over on uh, BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. Um, you can go pick that up now. And, of course, we want to recommend everyone to uh, give us some feedback, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, you can go give us a five-star review anytime you like and uh, leave us some feedback. If you want to hear a certain type of guest or a certain uh, certain type of anything on the certain show, topic. let us know. A certain topic, yeah. Yeah, always open to new ideas and suggestions. Yeah, go on there, and if you have a comment to leave, you can just click on the episode that you want to leave a comment about, and it'll open up the spot for you to punch in whatever you have to say right in there. I'd like to hear from everybody and see what they think about different things. Um, that would be a great place to go, so go into the comment section and let us know. And speaking of those reviews again, Sandy, we've got another five-star review since last time, so I'm going to read that one. And it says, hello from the West Coast. This is from J.M. Worm. He says, hi, guys, just wanted to say thanks and keep up the good work as an investor and soon-to-be agent. I appreciate all of the knowledge. We need more Canadian REI podcasts like this. Cheers. So that, that's a good one. West Coast is nice. Mm-hmm. We'd like to hear them from out there. Well, we're getting them from all over the place. Yeah. What else do we have to talk about? I was thinking we could ask Jeff the same question we asked uh, our last guest. Yeah, all right, let's do that. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Good. <laughs> I think, the, Jeff, the question was basically uh, based around uh, buying in really rough areas. You know, is it worthwhile doing so, is, or would you ever buy in a really rough area of town? Yeah, probably not advisable for beginners, uh, a little more risk adverse there. But certainly once you're uh, educated in your geographical area of specialty, so for example, I'm heavily invested in Niagara region and there's really no area within any of the cities that would scare me off of a great deal. But again, you got to know what you're doing. And, you know, our rough in Niagara is where near compared to rough in a, a major city like, you know, Detroit or something like that. So, so yeah, I, I would consider it if you know what you're doing and you got a great team of people around you. Okay, so let's just say you find something Let's say it's the exact same house, but it's in a great area as opposed to the exact same house in a rough area. 
how are you calculating the difference between the deal? Like you say, it's got to be a great deal. So I'm sure it's got to be a great deal no matter where you're working yeah. to, uh, to, but there's got to be a difference, right? Like if, cause I, I bought a duplex last summer just to flip it, but I did a lot worse than I thought I was going to simply because of the area that it was in. Um, I still made it work, but right. not as well as I would have liked because uh, the area had a really bad reputation for a good reason. So that being said, the the place that I thought was worth a certain amount, just being where it was, turns out wasn't worth what I thought. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Again, knowing kind of the after repair value and the saleability of it based on the area, uh, very important. You know, if I had the choice of uh, an ugly house in a great area, definitely going for the ugly house in a great area versus a, a you know, rough property in a rough area. So again, just with marketing and leads, I think the more leads you have coming to you, the more opportunity you have, but very good point. But for me, I use uh, kind of a simple formula. Uh, it has to hit a certain criteria no matter where it is. So basically, I find out what the ARV is, which is the after repair value, and then I take that number and I reduce it by 25%. And then I also reduce the uh, repair costs. And then that gives me a total, and that would be my maximum allowable purchase price. And oh, okay. So that's a, if that's I can a, find, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that's a perfect straightforward formula. So you take the after repair yeah. value, subtract 25%. Yep. And then also subtract whatever it's going to cost you to fix it up. Is that what you said? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Yeah, and if I can find a property that hits that criteria, then I'll I'll consider buying it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thanks for the good advice. Hey, yeah, you're welcome. Answers on the last show, I think, right, Robert? Did we we answered that last show, right? Episode forty-three. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Okay. okay, so let's get into our interview then, Jeff. All right, so. Here today on the show, we got Jeff Woods, and Jeff is an award-winning real estate investor, entrepreneur, author, business owner, and highly sought-after real estate-based wealth coach. Uh, his company, Woods and Missoula Properties, was formed in the interest of helping others achieve their goals and dreams through real estate. And Jeff is going to talk to us today about the real action steps that he took in scaling his business from just starting out to where he is today. So welcome, Jeff, again. Thanks for having me, Sandy and Rob. Uh, I appreciate being here. And like I said uh, before, I think what you guys are doing here is is amazing, and kind of a testament to you know one of your earlier five star reviews that you mentioned. We we certainly do need more people like yourselves uh, putting out great quality Canadian real estate investment content for our, our up and coming investors. So I uh, appreciate everything you guys do, and appreciate you having me on here again for the second time. Yeah, you know what? I'm surprised. I still don't think that there's any more um, other than ours on iTunes for free anyway. I know that uh, certain companies have their own that they put out to their members, and, and those are great too, but really there's nobody offering. I thought there would have been some more, Sandy. We've been doing this for like, what, two and a half years now or something like that, right? I was just thinking, yeah, two and a half years. Do you think it's because you guys have done such an excellent job that everyone else has just uh, kind of given up? They're so scared. The other, they might be a little bit uh, timid. So, so. so welcome <laughs> back, Jeff, again. And uh, could you quickly get us up to speed, maybe to the point, just before things really took off for you in, in real estate? Okay, so really quickly for you uh, that don't know who I am, uh, Jeff Woods started out very humble beginnings, uh, but had a, a dream and a burning desire to make a change. I was uh, sick and tired of struggling. Uh, and I decided that real estate was going to be uh, my way to create financial freedom for myself and kind of break the poverty rut that has been going on within my family for generations. And so I quickly set out to do that. And I thought, just like every other self-made uh, millionaire out there, I could do it on my own through years of and tribulation and a lot of uh, failure, I quickly discovered that there's no such thing as a self-made man or woman and that it requires a lot of um, education 
as well as a lot of uh, experts and building a team around you to help facilitate your goals, dreams, and desires. So in 2007, that's what I did. I went all in, uh, put money on my credit card because I wasn't in a position to pay for it financially, attended a real estate investment seminar, and learned many very valuable lessons, not only there, but uh, ongoing. And from there, I just put my head down and decided to get to work turning my dream into a reality. At that time in 2007, uh, I had a couple of properties, but they were struggling. And I decided that uh, I was going to acquire over, uh, well, 100 doors was my goal. And I'd given myself to retirement age, which was several years. And I ended up uh, surpassing that goal within six years. And the reason I was able to do so was because of investing in myself and investing in great people around me. Mm -hmm. So where would you say the point was where things really took off for you? Yeah, absolutely. My life, uh, you know, did a complete change. I, I went from struggling went from, you know, no confidence, uh, making mistake after mistake, getting frustrated, giving up on, on my goals and dreams, you know. And uh, once I was able to find the right people, the coaches, the mentors, the trainers, the education, and really start to put the pieces together, everything took off. My life is uh, completely different today than it was back then. So would you say, like there was sort of certain steps that you took to get to the point where things started to go well for you, right? So you're saying, I know you said you made a lot of mistakes and that kind of thing, but sort of what steps did you take to get to the point where then there was like a blast off, sort of an aha moment? Right. So the, the first thing I did, and I think this is crucial, and I think it's a fundamental point that a lot of people miss. You know, you go to uh, the real estate events and what, and you learn how to do transactional steps within real estate, uh, you know, how to find a property, how to negotiate a deal, close on the deal, renovate it, that sort of thing. Uh, but oftentimes we have uh, internal issues that we need to deal with that are holding us back and we might not even be aware of them. So you can go out and become, you know, knowledgeable in investing, but if you've got an internal belief system that people with money are greedy, as an example, well, then you're going to self-sabotage and you're not going to know why, right? You've read the books, you've been to the seminars, you've hired the coach, but you're not getting the results you want. So for me, it was really about working internally because I believe, um, you know, your, your internal results, your external results are a reflection of what's going on inside. So if you don't have what you want externally, there's issues that you need to work out. And so that was a big key for me, learning to, you know, gain the confidence to, to become a great investor, getting over the fears, getting the systems in place, the mentors, the team in place, and really working more so on myself than on the business. And as I grew and evolved as a person, then I was able to accomplish things that, you know, my former self wasn't able to do. Okay. So once you got all that confidence, once you worked on yourself and all of this stuff started to come together, what were the real physical, like the real, you know, the yeah. actionable steps that people can take to get to that next level? So like sort of the first real action step that you took from before you, whatever you were doing wrong to when things turned around, you were doing them right. What was the difference between those two ways? Okay, so so the first step is working on myself. From there, the second step that I did uh, that was crucial uh, in my success was building a team of people around me that were great at areas that I had weaknesses. So one of the things throughout the years that I've worked on and, and I've kind of developed, and it's a constant process of improvement, is really focusing on why we're investing in real estate. What's the end goal? And so for most people, it's financial freedom and particularly freedom, right? But if you look at building a real estate investment portfolio, there's a lot of moving parts that can become very, very overwhelming and scare a lot of people off. So one of the things I worked at was focusing on, okay, what are areas that I'm good at and areas that I enjoy doing? 
So I boiled it down to three specific areas that, that I like and, and that, uh, you know, I'm good at. And so I focus on creating and I focus on teaching. And so if it doesn't fall into one of those three categories, I delegate it. And I delegate it to a person that is better at that task than I am. So, for example, financing. Well, I'm, I'm not really good at books and numbers and organizational tasks, that sort of thing. I don't like it. I'm not good at it. So I went out and I found a partner that loves that stuff. He's a numbers guy. He's well-organized. He's our CFO of the company. Brought him on board. That alleviated a lot of stress and pressure in that area. And so then I was able to get back on focusing on building the business. And I essentially did that for everything. So same with property management. We were growing a, a large portfolio and it was getting more and more demanding and we had others coming to us wondering if we could manage their property as well. But managing the day-to-day -day operations of real estate was again not something I enjoyed or something that I was particularly great at doing. I was good at it, but I didn't like it. So rather than outsourcing it, which is certainly an option, I decided to leverage, create another revenue stream, build my own company, find a manager that had great managerial skills, teach them my systems and strategies, and then build a management company around them. So it's, it's really about delegating and building a team of people that have strengths in key areas that you're weak in. Once you're able to do that, not only will your company grow tenfold, but you'll also have the time freedom to do what it is you like to do. You'll also like your life a little bit better because when you spend your days doing only things you enjoy doing, it gets pretty awesome. Yeah, it does sound like it will. So I guess the first thing that you did was you built a real estate team and that's easy enough. Like that's the one that um, it's pretty easy. It's straightforward. You go and you find a good lawyer, you find a good real estate agent, you find a good mortgage broker. But now the thing that you were talking about was building the team sort of in your own business, right? So the first person you hired was, or the first person that came on board with you was the CFO, you said. Yes. And so before that, you're by yourself, you're doing your real estate business on your own, but you've got to do every aspect of it. So just like, well, basically what I'm doing right now is... So I will go and I'll manage all the renovations and then I got to come home and I've got to go through all the books and everything all night, every night. So right. that's exactly what you're saying is you that person loved doing that side of it. You love doing the other side. So what does a partnership, maybe not yours specifically, but in general, what would a partnership like that look like? Or is there there's is there too many different ways to sort of go into? Yeah, it's. No, great question. So like a joint venture partnership, you know, a traditional JV acquiring a property, business partnerships are, are similar. There's many, many ways to, to um, you know, carve it out and, and make it happen. With uh, Dino and I, who's, you know, the co-owner of Woods and Missoula Properties, we just had a really nice uh, synergistic character traits where my weaknesses were his strengths and his strengths were my weaknesses, vice versa, right? So we complemented each other very well. And so that laid a nice solid foundation. And then from there, uh, he trusted in me to go out and kind of find the other key components that were required to build a successful real estate portfolio. You know, you mentioned before renovations and management and those types of things. So finding those key people to fulfill that roles was, again, crucial. But as far as a partnership, you really want to have a common goal, a shared vision, trust, um, you know, kind of a, a mutual respect for one another. And if you can find somebody that has complementary skill set, then even better. But that's really uh, what I looked for initially in, uh, in my partnership. So that would be your recommendation then to someone who wanted to scale their business. The, your recommendation, the first thing to do would be to, to find a partner who can take on basically half of what you were doing, but they're better at it. 
Not necessarily. That's the way I went. I, I started out with a partner uh, in the beginning, and then we brought on more and more employees. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to have a partner where you're 50-50 in the deal. You could essentially uh, own the entire company, but just bring on uh, strategic employees. So you could go that route as well if you wanted. For me, in the beginning, we just partnered. We pooled our properties and and we had the same vision and goals and desires, so it just made sense to do it that way. Okay. Uh, but certainly, you don't have to to partner, and it does add another layer of complexity. Uh, if um, you know down the road, your your ideas and vision change. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I'm just. I mean, I'm just trying to. I really want to provide people with, um, as well as the inspiration. You know. The, some real action steps to take to go towards a goal. So, I mean, I think that's a good one, really, is to find somebody who who has the same interests as you and the same goals, but now they can do the things that you don't want to do and you can do the things that they don't want to do. So it's perfect. Yeah, exactly. And really, you know, what I mentioned before, the, a key component I find to every successful um, entrepreneur is the ability to delegate, right? And, you know, if you look at, um, you know, very successful businessmen like Sir Richard Branson as an example, well, he's got, you know, hundreds of companies and brands. And how does one man who has the same 24 hours in a day accomplish all of that when when other people are you know struggling with a nine to five job and Mm -hmm. the way he's able to do that is by building amazing teams and delegating he has amazing people around him that are great at what they do and he just focuses on what he's great at doing and so that allows him to scale you know and and do more in less time and so at this point one more really quick question do you switch over to now, like at this point, are you buying all of your properties in the company name? Yeah. So one of the things we're doing right now, we're kind of a unique position in our company. So we started investing years ago. So we've got a nice sizable portfolio. And so what we're doing, our region is growing in value and we're seizing that opportunity. We've got a lot of investors coming down to the Niagara region looking to invest. Prices are going up. So we're going through our portfolio right now and we're cleaning it up and uh, we're liquidating some of our smaller deals and some of our assets that aren't uh, performing as well. And then we're going to take that capital and we're repositioning into larger deals and commercial deals as well as our development land that we bought in Central America. So we're looking to develop down there and create some uh, vacation rentals as well. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So that would have been the point where you guys teamed up together, where you started really like it's now it's a company. Now you guys are thinking of it as a real business. This is a company. You start purchasing in the company name, like everything goes through the company. Yes. Yeah. All right. See, I think it's about time you asked a question, eh? (laughs) I'm still here. Yeah. Jeff, what challenges have you faced in scaling your business and how did you, like what are the major challenges you faced, I guess, and how did you overcome them? Yeah, so so again, going back to the partnerships. So one of the challenges that I've faced as the company grows is, you know, it's easy to say, well, you know, find great people and, and hire them and, and delegate and, and, you know, all works well, but uh, easier said than done sometimes finding those people. So one of our major challenges was I kind of lost focus on the real end goal. And so I had achieved a large amount of success in a relatively short period of time. I'd hit my first target of, of over 100 doors. And so I thought that, you know, the next target would be, well, let's see if we could double that in a year. And so my focus was on scaling really quickly. And with that, with growth, obviously we needed more help. And so I decided that the best way to do that would be to bring on a potential third partner. But in doing that, I'd really lost sight of what was 
what was important in a partner. And so what I thought were good character traits, like, so for example, the position we were looking to fill was somebody that had renovation skills because as we were buying a lot of properties quickly, and we tend to buy properties that need to be fixed up and we can add that forced value. So we wanted somebody that was really, really skilled in renovations, somebody that had the financial backing to join the company as well and somebody that we knew liked and trusted and so i thought that was a good criteria for picking a third partner for this new kind of uh division of the company that we're focusing on where we could acquire properties fix them up and turn them over really quickly however that turned out to be a very very expensive life lesson and we ended up partnering with the wrong individual and it cost us a lot of money and it actually set us back and has become very challenging and problematic for us because now, you know, we had so much momentum going, but when you have a partner that uh, has not really kind of fulfilled their end of the agreement, if you will, it becomes a challenge. And so in that adversity also came opportunity. So one of the things I look to do and I think it's a, a character trait of anybody that's successful. You know, there's no like straight to the top. There's bumps along the way and you're going to have problems and challenges and failures. But it's how you look at each of those failures and taking the life lesson from it, if you will. So how can I take that adversity and turn it into a positive? And so I really started to look at that. And, and one of the life lessons that I learned from that was that... I really hired a tradesman and I put them in a managerial and an ownership type role. So what I needed was somebody that was great with people, that was honest, that was good with budgeting and could handle renovation crews and budgets, that sort of thing. And and that's not what I got. And so a very, very valuable lesson. But in that, you know, learned, learned a lot of amazing things. And that really allowed me to get refocused back on what's the priority why are we building this real estate portfolio what's the end goal and so the end goal is not necessarily to have 200 units but it's to create uh, an asset that delivers the financial freedom for us to then go out and live our our desired lifestyle and so in that um, important life lesson it really reminded me of of what's important and uh, so it allowed us to step back and refocus that's a good lesson. I like that. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. You're welcome. You're so welcome. next one, we've already talked about this a little bit, delegating. We've talked about it a lot. I guess what tasks do you delegate and, and why? I know you mentioned delegating a lot of the stuff you're not good at and there's people that can do it better than you. So I guess w- which other tasks might you delegate and also how do you actually hand over that control? I know there might be some challenges with that. Yeah, uh, great question. So to go into delegating a, a little bit deeper, oftentimes, especially if I'm talking to to coaching clients or whatnot, and I'll say, well, that's a task, you got to delegate it. And, you know, the response is, well, you know, certain things in life you can't delegate, right? So for example, if if I wanted to get six pack abs, I can't delegate to my <laughs> fitness coach to do the sit ups, and then I'm going to get six pack abs, right? So with delegation, the key is you can delegate all or part of any task, right? So if my goal was to get six-pack abs again, well, I can't delegate him to do my coach to do the sit-ups and I get the benefit. I can delegate that he reminds me of our our coaching class or he holds me accountable or we put uh, some type of risk-reward. If I don't do it, I have to give up something. You know, if you have a spouse at home, you can delegate to them to to kick your butt out of bed in the morning so you get up and exercise. There's so many different ways you can delegate a task to get it done. Uh, so that's a, a key fundamental of, of delegation. So, and really, Sandy, back to your question of what do I delegate? I literally will delegate everything that's not on those. And in my, if it doesn't fall into those three categories that I listed, of investing, creating, and teaching, I delegate it. Same, same with simple things like cutting your lawn, right? Unless you're like a green thumb that absolutely loves to cut your lawn, 
there's no way you should be doing that. If you were to sit down and say, okay, let's say it takes you an hour a week, you cut your lawn four times a month, that's four hours. And if you were to figure out what you could pay somebody to do that, let's say you get a, a lawnscape company that could come in, do a better job than you probably could do, and do it in a fraction of a time. And let's say it costs you 150 bucks a month to have that done. Well, now you've freed up four hours of your time where you could go back to focusing on finding a great real estate deal. If you found a deal that you know had $20,000 of equity in it, that cash flowed at $500 a month, so on and so forth, you're so much further ahead because now you're focusing on doing what you love to do. You're making more money, so then you can afford to pay people to do the chores that you don't like to do. And it's this ripple effect of massive momentum that allows you to scale and build not only a real estate portfolio that you're proud of, but a life you love because you got the time freedom. Cool. So how did you pick those three things to focus on that you're you're going to actually accept and, and do the work that's involved? Yeah. How did you come up with those? Uh, so it's based on two criteria. Number one, uh, am I good at it? So uh I feel that in those three areas, I'm good at it. And number two, do I like it or love it? And so if it's something that I really enjoy doing, something that I would do for free, essentially, then that's what I keep on my plate to do and everything else I delegate. So if I'm not good at it, I delegate it. And if I am good at it, but I don't like doing it, I'll delegate that as well. Okay, so you're good at investing. You're good at teaching. Now tell us about creating. Yes. So how I create is, for example, books, right? So another little feather in the cap. Apparently, we just got a best-selling book on Amazon. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Is that Uh, the ultimate wealth strategy? That is, yeah, the ultimate wealth strategy. And I co-authored that with uh, Quentin and Andrew, a couple of other amazing investors. And so that's a form of creating. So what we were able to do there is take our real world experience, put it into a book format, create the book, and now it's online on Amazon where people can go to Amazon, buy the book, learn how to buy, fix, refinance, and rent real estate and gain some valuable wisdom from that. And that, again, leverages our time because it's on there doing its thing while we could be doing you know, at the cottage or sleeping or whatever. Uh, but that's one form of creativity and different revenue streams that I'll look to build into my company. Okay. Uh, Jeff, is there something that you're doing in your business that's different from the way everyone else is doing it? Or do you follow the quote-unquote why recreate the wheel philosophy? Yes and no. I mean, systems that work well that others have had uh, amazing success with, it's kind of the like you said why reinvent the wheel right if it's working it's working so we certainly follow that philosophy but i do believe especially you know talking to other investors out there one of the things that we do differently is and you've probably heard it before but working on your company rather than in your company Mm -hmm. so i see so many investors that have all these dreams and goals and ambitions and they're working diligently to build their real estate portfolio, but they're building it in such a way that it consumes all their time. And so they're tired and they're stressed and they're maybe not getting the desired results. And so one of the things I've really done as as we've grown our company is made sure that not only does it deliver on the financial side, but it also delivers the desired lifestyle that we want. And so I think that's a a fundamental piece that a lot of people are missing. Well, Jeff, like you've hit that nail right on the head as far as um, what I'm doing here myself is that I am doing everything myself, right? So I haven't learned to follow this business um, approach that you've been taking. And really, that's where my results are lacking, to be honest, lay it all out there is... I feel like I could be so much further ahead at this point than where I am. And I think it's because I haven't implemented these systems into into place. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you're not alone, Rob. So many people that I talk to are the same situation. And they have, uh, you know, they have a challenge giving up some of that control, too. 
And uh, what I often like to remind people is to just go back and reflect and think about why is it that you're investing in real estate? What What is the purpose? What's the desired outcome of building that portfolio? And really focus on what it is you want and and understand the reason why you're doing it. And then that will help you perhaps give up some of that control, understanding that it's about freedom as well. And if you don't find great people and delegate tasks, you're, you're never going to have the freedom to enjoy the, the wealth that you're creating and possibly in the process, uh, you know, lose your health. And, and then what's it all for? If you're not healthy, what's the point of being wealthy, right? So is there a tool that you use then in your business that you can't couldn't live without? Yes. The tool that I use that I could not live without. First of all, could not is a pretty strong word. I think <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure we could I, all live without it. Yeah. I'm, it's I'm like, well, my computer, well, my phone. Yes. Water. Yeah. So for me, the answer might surprise you. My biggest tool is real estate. Right. Real estate for me is nothing more than bricks and mortar. People often say, you know, wow, Jeff, you write uh, a real estate book and you do real estate coaching and you've got all this real estate and you manage it and you talk about it and everything's real estate. You must really love real estate. And the answer is no. I, real estate for me is just a tool. What I love about real estate is what it provides for me. And that's the, the power and the ability to, to create my life in a way that's meaningful to me. And so real estate is the number one tool that I use to create a better life. And it's, it's what I love to teach everyone else to use and implement as well. Even if you're not, you know, crazy and passionate about real estate like some other folks are. So you would say it wasn't a passion then that led you to real estate. It was more you sat back and said, how am I going to make myself wealthy and looked around? And this was the one that made the most sense after you did all your research. You said, you know what? I really like whatever it is, but that's not going to that's not going to do it. That's not going to bring bring home the bacon. So over here is this real estate thing. And eh, it's so it may be fun, but uh, I don't really uh, it's not my thing. But if it's going to build this wealth that I'm looking for, then that's the path I'm going to go down. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I, I enjoy investing, right? I enjoy the, the process of that and I enjoy growth and building the portfolio and the company and the revenue streams. All of that I enjoy, but it's not as meaningful to me as what it delivers, right? The, the freedom to, to be able to live my desired lifestyle, like just having the freedom. You know, I remember when I was back at my day job and I, I worked in the casino industry and I would have to get up at 3.30 every morning. And now I get up when I want to get up. You know, it's not to the sound of annoying alarm clock. I wake up because, you know, I'm excited to start my day and do things that I like to do and help others and, and serve and give back and all that wonderful stuff. But it's real estate is the tool that's allowed me the privilege to be able to do that. So you need another applause button right there. Yeah. <laughs> do you guys have an applause button? I don't have an applause button. I added it in for John Kim. When he said something really inspirational. So I'll do the same thing for you, Jeff. That was Thanks. great. Awesome, Rob. Thank <laughs> you. you mentioned coaching and stuff there. Do you offer coaching? Yes, I do. So, what kind of options are there for that? So, one of the things, you know, again, growing the portfolio and, you know, trials and tribulations and learning lessons along the way, one of the things that I believe is important to do is help others. Uh, you know, if you've kind of uh, gone down that path, uh, you know, turn around and help others that are trying to accomplish the same goals. So I've opened up uh, coaching. It's limited. I only take on uh, a few clients every year. Uh, but one of the key differentiators, I think, with my coaching uh, that's really important to me is uh, I don't only teach the transactional, you know, step-by-step -step of how to do a real estate deal, but I also focus a lot on the transformational stuff. So we look at you know, maybe some internal things that are holding you back, your belief systems, your habits, that sort of thing. So it's a, a combination of transactional versus transformational coaching, all geared around wealth creation, 
uh, using real estate as the primary tool to create that wealth. And it's all very customized based on each individual too. So it's not a cookie cutter, you know, coaching process because every student comes to me with different variables, different financial levels, different goals, desires, and dreams. So it's very customized. Yeah, I really like that. You know what? I think that's where the most value is in, in coaching and mentorship programs because I've taken some where where it's just everybody listen to this path here and I didn't find that very helpful but when there was more customized um, one-on-one attention uh, this isn't something that people don't know but I suggest when you're looking uh, for for some coaching that you go with somebody that's going to give you some individual attention that's very important it's not to say you can't learn from the other ones but if you're really wanting to grow, if you're really wanting to take something away, um, then they can focus on what you specifically need. And I really like that kind of coaching. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, It was one of the fundamental shifts, you know, that allowed me to achieve my success too was investing in that one-on-one coaching where we could work on my personal issues versus, you know, the group coaching environment where it's kind of a a one-size-fits-all. And sometimes that's not the way to get the best results. So uh, obviously if anyone's uh, hearing this and it's kind of resonating with them, they can reach out to you? Is is there... Yeah, uh, we'll mention it again at the end of the episode. But how do people reach out to you for that? Yeah, well, I have uh, two websites. One is uh, CARE, which is an acronym for Correct Action Real Estate, but it's basically www.yourcarepack.com. And that site is geared towards a local networking group in the Hamilton, Niagara area and coaching and training and education. And then I've also got my core company, which is uh, geared around real estate investing and property management services, which is whamproperties.com. That's W-A-M properties.com. So you could reach out to me at uh, either one of those sites and I'd be happy to help. Awesome. So, uh, Jeff, where do you see your business going then now and into the future? Yeah, so kind of uh, alluded to it a little bit before. So now what we're doing is we're liquidating some of our smaller assets and our, our less performing assets, and we're repositioning the the profits that we've made with the uh, property increases that we're seeing, and we're repositioning that money into larger deals, so creating an economy of scale, buying uh, apartment complexes or commercial buildings. And we're also developing our land in Central America to create some vacation rentals as well. That's very cool. I like mm-hmm. that. What what made you decide to go uh, into Central America? Uh, so that was more lifestyle. So again, looking back at you know what it is that you want from your real estate. And so one of the things that I like to do is anytime I can combine Uh, my revenue streams with things that I love to do, then to me, that's just like a win-win situation. So I love to travel. I love, uh, you know, going down to warm, sunny destinations and rainforests and beach and oceanfront. And so I thought it was a great opportunity uh, to combine my passion for um, creating real estate portfolios, if you will, with my my love of travel, and so it's a lifestyle choice as well. So and, you're down there all the time. Yeah, yeah, go down. <laughs> that sounds I, good. Uh, yeah. So, and the you know the goal uh, as I progress into the future is I want to essentially be there for half of the year and uh, here for half the year, you know, but still doing my thing, and and that's the beautiful thing with you know Skype and internet and cellular and all those wonderful technologies that we have is we can really uh, continue to run the business from anywhere that I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More incentive to get the six-pack too, eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Jeff, what is your number one tip for scaling your real estate business for our listeners? So the number one tip would be delegation. Master delegation. If it If it's if it's not something you're good at, if it's not something you enjoy doing, delegate it out. Look at, you know, the time you spend doing it. Look at your how, you know, how it makes you feel. If you can 
take something that causes you stress in your life, delegate it to somebody else that's going to get it done better while you're focusing on building your real estate portfolio and your business, creating more wealth to then pay for that service. Uh, it's a win-win. Uh, the key is delegation and delegating to amazing people that are better in those areas than you are. So what's your view on delegating to um, virtual assistants? Uh, interesting. You know, I've seen a lot of that, but I've never, I've never used a, a virtual assistant, so I don't have any direct experience working with them. I've always found great, amazing people in and around my local area. Right. I, I like, you know, the, the personal touch where I can see you, talk to you, kind of get together with you. You know, one of the criterias when I'm working with somebody is not, are, are you great at that task, but are you an individual with integrity, somebody that I like, somebody that I could essentially go out for dinner with and get along well with? Because uh, I'm looking for people that are, are um, long-term vision as well. So I like, you know, being able to communicate with the individual in a more close context versus the virtual assistant. But certainly I've heard uh, wonderful things about that and uh, a very, I guess, economical way to, to delegate some tasks too. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the reason why I was asking is because I would assume uh, that it would be a lot more cost effective to hire a virtual assistant as opposed to somebody um, who's actually coming to an office or whatever every day to work for you. That's just my thoughts on that. But I really like your model, but I'm, I'm thinking for people who are just trying to scale up, wondering sort of which way is the best way to go. What do you think, Sandy? I guess it depends on what it is. If you need a, they physically need to be there, then I guess that option's gone. Yeah, I mean, you can also do a little part-time. It depends what your vision's like, right, for your business. A lot of, in our industry, Rob, as realtors, there's a lot of people using virtual assistants, I know. And it's pretty beneficial. I've seen a lot of success stories with it. So it all depends on your business model and what you're using it for. But I think they can be beneficial if you need to or if you want to. The cost, the price point of them is definitely attractive. However, you sometimes you get what you pay for. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's certainly an option worth considering if you're uh, if you're worried about not being able to afford it. But again, if that's kind of the mindset you're coming from, you know, I would encourage you to reflect back and say, okay, well, if I could delegate that task and it costs me a hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, whatever the case may be, but that frees up X amount of time now that I can devote to finding that next amazing real estate deal, is, is that a worthwhile trade-off, right? Because, you know, I'll, I'll pay $1,000 in services if that frees up my time to go buy a deal where I could get $10,000 of equity and, and you know, residual monthly cash flow, so on and so forth. So it's really looking at the the uh, the cost right and the other thing I think a lot of people miss that they don't factor in is your time what's your time worth right that's another very important factor because when you compare time versus money if somebody you know if you lose money you can make your money back but if you lose time that's something you're never going to get back so I would offer that as well to consider so Jeff one last thing on your tip there on to delegate to tasks to people. Do you have an exercise or is there some way that you can recommend? I know it's pretty straightforward. You can probably just sit down and write it all out. But for those of us that may need a little more guidance through this, do you have an exercise to choose what tasks you would maybe start out delegating? Yeah, literally. So I have an exercise where I sit down and I, I focus on, you know, write out everything that you do in a day, right? So you're tracking every little thing that you'll do in a day, documenting that, and then you gauge it, is it a work-related activity or is it a home-based activity? And then you basically monetize it. So what's that worth to you? And then the fourth part of that equation is what's it mean to you? So there's certain things in your day like let's say you have children and you enjoy you know tucking them into bed and reading them a bedtime story well that might consume an hour of your day it doesn't make you much money however it's very very meaningful to you so you're not going to trade that hour off for anything 
So you don't uh, hire VAs to talk to your kids for you? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. I guess you could get them the audio version of, of books and, you know, kind of set them up with their headphone. But uh, I'm guessing as a parent, you want to kind of be there for your children, that sort of thing. So basically, to recap, monitor everything you do in your day, every little thing, figure out where your time spent, decide if it's a work-related task, a home-related task, decide how much money it makes for you and, or how much meaning it brings into you. Then once you have that data, you can go through and you can literally eliminate. Most times when people do this, they find out that they're focusing on unimportant tasks that aren't generating much money for you. When you can flip that and focus on only the things that generate more income for you, you now have the financial freedom and ability to delegate everything else out. But it really takes some time to sit down and figure out what you're doing on a day-to-day basis and then implementing that. So that's one of the one of the coaching tools that I use to help people gain clarity around how to become more productive with their time. Well, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, so again, how can people get in touch with you? You can repeat those websites again. And of course, we're going to have them up on our website when you click on Jeff's episode or click on the info for this show. You'll be able to see all of Jeff's contact information. But uh, go ahead, Jeff. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so if people want to reach out to me, they can do so through either one of my two websites. The first one being yourcarepack.com or whimproperties.com. That's wamproperties.com. So either one of those uh, two sites, you can send me a message uh, or an email through there. And yeah, I look forward to, to answering any questions and helping out anybody that I can. Well, I, I would be very surprised if you didn't get a bunch of calls for your coaching. <laughs> well, I'm certainly open to that, but I do only take on a few clients every year because, you know, I do, I'm actively involved in building my companies and businesses and, and travel and all of that sort of thing. So it is a limited opportunity, but I'm happy to speak with anybody further about that for sure. Okay. Well, thanks again, Jeff, man. I can't tell you how much, uh, how happy I am that you decided to come back on again. Well, I appreciate you guys having me back on. And like I said before in the beginning, I think this is uh, fantastic what you're doing. It's a great way to get some valuable insight out to other Canadian investors and and help them build their portfolios so they can fund their desired lifestyle as well. So I really want to thank you for having me back on. And uh, it's been a, a privilege. Yeah, well, it is fantastic because we have great guests that share so much like you have tonight. So, all right, Jeff, we appreciate it again. Have a good night. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Thanks, Rob and Sandy. Take care.